You know, we need a podcast on creating the podcast. This has been such a journey. Every morning, Chris and I wake up like, we're going to do the pod today. And then, you know, we're trying to find the right spot in our house, our four-bedroom house, where we can do the pod. And like, no, the nook didn't didn't look good enough. My office didn't look good enough. The dining table and dining room didn't look good enough. So now we've just literally set up shop in the middle of the family room, which by the way, will never be anything else now other than the pod studio. Like there's no way we're gonna like disassemble all of this. Well, you know, the natural progression at this point is the bedroom. <laughs> That's a different, different podcast. Only fans. That's only fans. Okay. Yeah. Um, Find us on Cameo. Yeah. Welcome, guest. You tuned in now to this pickleball life. I'm K Dubs and Jelly Beans, my wife. She's the pro, and I've got the filler. She's sweet to me, but on the court, she's a killer. Unadulterated and efficiently bringing you the best and worst things in PB. Tell your friends and stay for another. And no one loves us more than your mother. One thing's for sure, one hit, and you're addicted. Grab a pile, grab a court, don't resist it. So click subscribe, let's go, let's get cracking. Things on done, let's go, let's get laughing. This pickleball life. Wow. Well, we've made it to episode four, so I feel like that's a, a stamp of legitimacy. 100%. And in business, they say your first 100 customers are the most important. We have 100 unique pod customers, at least. I haven't checked since episode uh, three. It's true. It's true. Well, maybe we'll do a fact check at the end of this episode. Probably not. <laughs> we have a fact check from last episode coming up. Just wait. Um, but uh, good, to, good to have the, the new view. I, I think I like it. I, I like the new uh, duffel, too. PB God's crushing it. Does everyone realize so, I'm giving uh, myself a compliment when I say that? I feel so legit. My name is on a duffel bag. And uh, yeah, we've got some new sponsors, if you didn't notice. Uh, bigger announcement coming uh, in this week. but uh, yeah. Probably by the time the pod's out, let's be honest. All right. Well, welcome to episode four, This Pickleball Life. Do you want to hit us off with your uh, with your to-dos, or uh, do you want me to start? Take us away, K-Dubs. All right. Well, first off, I really wanted to give a big shout-out to your housing in Utah. Housing is such an important part of being an elite athlete in a growing sport, and I think it's, it's so amazing that you found such a great place to stay. I mean, not every housing is going to crush it at that level, but uh, we, uh, we definitely feel like you found some adoptive parents. Totally. Just manifesting your own destiny is such a real thing. I went on Instagram and Facebook, and I found the largest organizer of St. George, Utah pickleball groups, and I hit him up and said, like, hey, you might not know me, but uh, I'm looking for some free housing for St. George. He's like, well, I do know you and I have the perfect person for you. And then I got a Facebook message from Kelly and Rich and it just was game changing to have not just laundry, but a family. And one thing that happened that was pretty funny was I brought a, a box of C's candy from California and she writes me a thank you card for bringing her a thank you gift. And it, <laughs> it's a thank off. It's a thank you off. And then another card at the end she gave us to to thank us for, for being us and how much she is looking forward to getting to know us. But it's like, I want to send her a thank you card now. And it's like, this, this thank is off. the the next move on the thank off. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Kelly, right? Kelly. Kelly and Rich. Sorry, Kelly. I just wanted to be sure. Kelly, you're next. <laughs> and it's calling them Your like turn. mom and dad. They came to all my matches. It makes a really big difference to have some support. Totally. And since you were useless and not there, it's mm-hmm. like, who's going to mm-hmm. carry my bananas? has got to carry the banana. Someone has to carry the bananas. Yeah. I don't know if you saw my story post yesterday about the next... <laughs> The next Newport event, I'm playing in the women's event, and Jill's like, I think you're done. This is the last one. I need you to hold my banana. Yeah, she goes, oh, I'm registered for, like, women's mixed singles and any other event she can get in. I'm just kidding. How no, many? No, bet- that's the irony. I'm only playing in women's. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, now I'm, I'm only like, allowed to play on Championship Sunday. You're lucky it's in Newport. <laughs> so I have, like... At least 100 people to hold the bananas. Yeah. Hometown. Yeah. Hometown. Your mom didn't want the job. <laughs> so, Kelly, Rich, thank you so much. I had so many, so many great and not so great housing experiences when I was trying to play pro golf. Um, and it's really, it's really a, a deal maker. Um, well, considering my last housing situation, I'm not going to name names here, involved uh, arriving at 1 a.m., pitch black getting into my bedroom and there's an open litter box (laughs) and on top of the litter box in the room is like a giant deuce (laughs) and it's uncovered it's like the the cat's as thoughtless as our cat so you're saying that's why you decided to pee in the planter box (laughs) yeah the only way to cover up the deuce was for me to actually use the litter box Uh... no and then I'm like literally looking to clean it up and I can't find the implement to get it and like the paper the bag. The poopa scoopa? The poopa scoopa. Couldn't find that. Then there's like litter on the bed and the bed sheets. And I just had like the worst night of my life. And the cats all had bells on. Ding, 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 ding. Just, just <laughs> so, when you get to that REM state. So as they move around the house and I, just as I get to the REM states, ding, 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 ding. And then like Why I'm assailed my dreams by about the smell. Christmas? I'm assailed by the smell of the deuce. Anyway, yes, Kelly and Rich's house, thank you. When you are a touring professional athlete, it makes a world of a difference to have a home where you feel safe, you feel welcome, uh, you can do laundry, you're supported. It's just, it's literally a difference maker. Atlanta, we're coming. (laughs) Yeah, anyone listening in Atlanta? (laughs) I don't know the dates. Oh, well, uh, how was the, how was the rest of the event? I was going to, I was going to say, no, we haven't talked about uh, Red Rock yet. Yeah. I was going to say like, it was such a difference maker, except my results like weren't great. <laughs> well, you know. No, it was, um, it was a great tournament. I mean, sometimes the way you feel it's funny, doesn't like match your results, which is such a metaphor for, for life. And I, I left feeling really good, even though, right. We didn't have this like awesome T9 finish like Tyler and I did in Austin and um, I think elevation makes a huge difference. Even though I got there a full yeah. day early, it's crazy. Just even like, you know, 2,500 to 5,000 feet. It's like night and, day. S- night and day from sea level. And I yeah. knew that going in. I just thought one day was going to be enough. So um, I was talking about the track learned. man setting for that actually on my other uh, video. <laughs> the altitude button. Or <laughs> if you are like, oh, wow, you just gained 30 yards. Where did that come from? <laughs> oh, wow. All your balls are out on the baseline. Oh, over the fence. But uh, what I do want to know about is, and I think this is very applicable to our listeners, first-time partnership. Yes. Have, uh, having that person on the other side of the court that you have seen play, 
you know a little bit about their game, but you haven't communicated together. You haven't played that much rec play together. And how did you navigate playing with Hurricane Tyra Black for the first time? Yeah, I played with a, a girl who's relatively new on the scene. I think she's 22 or 23 years old. Her name is Hurricane Tyra Black. Uh, she does not go by Hurricane. She goes by Tyra, despite the whole time when we'd win a point. would be like, the Hurricane's coming. Storm's a brew. And Storm's actually her sister's Storm. name. True story. True story. Storm. Storm. Energy. Um, and uh, she was top 300 in the world in tennis and transitioned out of tennis, which is such a lonely, I don't want to speak for her, but such a lonely life, such a grind, mm -hmm. very international. It's nice about Pickle as of right now is it's very domestic, very U.S.-based. And um, I think I play my best with someone who's just a defensive specialist because I'm pretty aggressive. And she was saying she felt the same. So here's like kind of two more aggressive players, but who also have great defense, especially from the baseline. I thought we played very nicely together. So mm -hmm. what's crazy about this pro pickleball journey is you don't, you might not know, even though I've been playing for two years pro, like who you play your best with and what personalities are going to work really well together. Tyra was super quiet, but she mentioned she's that way because she had that kind of beat into her from tennis. I mean, tennis, I feel like the refs just castrate the players. Like, castrate their personalities get them so scared to like show emotion crack a racket drop an f-bomb um, be a McEnroe yeah be a McEnroe and we can talk more about this later how to increase viewership for both MLP and PPA but really I think it just totally in a nutshell comes down to keep allowing the players to have personalities yeah I think that's a constant theme of this podcast. I don't think it should be a one episode and done because there mm. are always ways to innovate and we'll have new ideas all the time but um yeah, we want to know. We want to know their uh, their words, their thoughts, their feelings. Yeah. We want people who are excited. Mic us to up be out there. Mic it up. In short, we I thought we played very nicely together, and you know, it's funny. It's just funny how you're still learning every single tournament who you play well with and and who you don't and who you think you're going to play well with. Yeah. Well, it's interesting having been the person miking players up at the first season of MLP. Yeah. True story. The biggest uh, issue other than, you know, mics are always battery problems. So you're mm -hmm. like constantly having to update the battery, update the pack. But it's the it's the physical item on the body that was bothering the players more than like there mm -hmm. were a couple players. Apparently, I'm not naming names, but that didn't didn't want to be heard. But for the most part, they just didn't want to be encumbered. Mm -hmm. So well, we even live technology's in a come cam. so far away in like yeah two years. I'm ready just even for some nano mics. So let me ingest yeah, it. Totally. Yeah. Swallow it down. So, yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Maybe like an eyelid cam. Remember Google Glasses? You can see inside <laughs> of someone's perspective. Yes. Whatever happened to yeah. Google Glasses? That's true. Right. Yeah. Right. New sponsor on MLP. Google Glasses. Um. So I have a confession to make. Ooh, I'm ready. I played yesterday with some of our closest friends, who apparently I'm not allowed to name. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, Emily. <laughs> um, and uh, I was the lobaholic. And I lobbed so perfectly. I'm trying one of your trial, trial uh, test paddles. So as Jill goes down her paddle testing journey, I get, mm -hmm. the, I get the, uh, the leftovers. And so I was for, trying for those the, of you uh, who don't know, I'm I'm reviewing new paddles every single week as I try and find my forever paddle. And yes, Kristen one. gets the the leftovers. We yeah. don't sell we don't sell them on eBay yet. Things haven't gotten that tough yet, right? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, definitely won't be uh, on eBay as Jilly B Pickleball. No, just kidding. Uh, so I'm trying the the Black Diamond. Um, 6-0, right? 6-0 Black yeah, Diamond? Yeah, 6-0. From and Australia. Is oh, it? you got to do the segment. Oh, no. In it's Max- on now, mate. It's on like Donkey Kong. Put another shrimp on the barbie. There's never a prawn. Oh, wait. Never a shrimp. It's always a prawn. That's go. what it is. There you That's go. what it is. So, yeah. So, I was on the court with my Australian battle and I just was feeling the lobs. Yeah. Which is kind of ironic because I'd been playing the Black Ace, which is Callan Dawson's. But, uh, but he loves the lob. But I wasn't able to keep my lobs in the court. So, anyway. So, I was just... This silky smooth paddle. I mean, uh, it did remind me a lot of the engaged, to be honest, mm-hmm. but a little more, a little more of the grit of the grooving, and uh, I just was nailing it's that, that raw corner. carbon face, right? So you're having the benefits of uh, you don't the, want cooked help, carbon, only the, raw. What you don't want cooked carbon, just raw. It's a vegan carbon. Yeah. We can t- we're going to talk more about paddles in a little bit, but yeah, you have the vegan yeah. raw carbon face, so anyway. the pop of the engage. So you were feeling the lob, which by the way. We haven't talked about this. I'm a huge fan of like dance with the girl you brought. So yeah. if you like can't hit a third shot drop, okay, go to drives. Like don't force the issue. Yeah. If you you're over the net. Feel, yeah. If you're feeling the lob, lob away. Yeah. I was feeling the lob. Lob is lob. And about three quarters of the way through. Well, in our final amalgamation of, of pairing, um, Emily finally turned to me and was like, I feel like I'm playing an old person with all these lobs. Stop lobbing. I was like, you want me to stop lobbing? Start punishing me for lobbing. Exactly. I just did a video on this um, on my Instagram and YouTube called Stop Getting Lobbed. So you can't like be mad at someone for lobbing. You've got to shove it down their throat. You've got to hit better overheads. You've got to get back quicker. So punish the lobber as the lobby. Right. And in fairness, my overhead's are probably one of the worst parts of my game. So she should have been lobbing me more. I mean, I hit one good one that actually like, you know, nailed right between uh, her legs and at her feet. And like, I actually made contact. She should have done it, a tweener. But like three out of the other four went straight into the net. Mm-hmm. So anyway, fun fact. Nice. True, true I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for dancing with the girl like you brought and trying new things. Too many people go, too many people go out to open play and rec play and like don't, try stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't try stuff. They save it for the lesson. They're like, oh, I'm here to take a lesson because I want to try this thing. And then they never try it again in rec play or open play. Totally. Well, I sometimes will turn to my partner and be like, okay, good decision, smart shots over the net, in the box. But the truth is, yeah, it's rec play. I mean, you should do the stupid stuff now. Absolutely. But where do you draw the line between, hi, Toby. Hi, Toby. What's up? <laughs> you hungry? Oh, shocker. Uh, We're going to take a kitty break. For those of you not watching the video version of our podcast, our orange tabby just made an appearance. Man of house. Cameo. Speaking of cameo. Um, where do you draw the line on when it's uh, testing new shots versus doing stupid, doing stupid stuff? stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's a fine line. And actually, when you just said save your stupid stuff for rec play, I thought, okay, that's not the vernacular I actually like want to use. I never want to yeah. do stupid stuff. But uh, flex new muscles, try new skills. Right. So define the difference. Okay. So here, okay, this is a great example. I am obsessed with the third shot lob. I find I, I figured out like six months ago, basically just hit it as high as you can with as much spin as you can. So the spin brings it down. Or another way to think about it is hit it 
hit it as like deep as you can with as much spin, height, depth, spin. And uh, yeah, I hit a winner uh, in my women's match. I think we posted on Instagram using that mm-hmm. uh, technique. And Tyra looked at me and like, was like, what was that? Um, and that probably looks like something really stupid to go out and try. <laughs> like in the in, in the hierarchy of safe third shots to hit, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd put that up there as like number one. But um, my point is, yeah, maybe that's something that looks stupid, but has really, I've really like reaped rewards. So I think there is a clear definition of stupid stuff versus trying new skills. Mm -hmm. And it's what I always tell my students in golf, a game of failure, constant, constant failure. The only thing you should ever criticize in yourself is a lack of commitment. Commitment. Exactly. So the only bad decisions, indecision, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wall of wisdom. K Dub's wisdom. That wall of golf. Uh, So yeah, obviously one could theoretically be committed to hitting every ball as hard as they can, and then at that point we get into decision making, right? And this is the same in golf. Like maybe your driver goes, you know, two ninety, and you know that's your biggest skill, so you should utilize your skill the way a lot of people. I play with can hit the ball harder than me. Well, again, it's like the the lobber it, until you get shut down and you're like, okay, that's not working against this opponent. Right. So to come full circle, right, I was hitting lobs and it was winning me points. So feedback mechanism going to say, keep committing to that lob, keep committing to that lob. It's like and that guy Pavlov in, said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> and in your match against uh, Rachel and Shelby, you kept throwing up like the keep it in the court, like patient thirds. Yes. And they were hitting really good angles. And sometimes those angles hit the line every time. And you're like, okay, so this person's just on today. A yeah. lot of times those shots go wide and you're like, see, look, we're smart. Or they well, go out. But in that case, I think that was like a good pivot. So something I see a lot, and I know we're going to do Dear Jilly B and we're going to get into strategy in a little bit. But something I see... Uh, even pros make the mistake of is when you're defending with both players back. So you and your partner are in the back court defending and you're trying to be so meticulous and perfect with your thirds or your thirds, your fifth, your sevenths. Just defending, getting it over the net is so important. Literally just over. I'm not saying like a defensive lob because if you lob it, you give your opponent the angle. Like you kept seeing Shelby Bates, who's a great up and coming player snapping her wrist and putting Mm -hmm. an overhead away, totally ungettable. But if we keep it lower, not solo that we're going to hit it in the net or flirt with the net, but float it to the middle of the court, maybe three, four feet over the net, makes it very hard for the opponents to put the ball away. And something Tyra did such an incredible job of when she was behind the baseline was almost defaulting to like not a drive, like a little bit less than a drive. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. kept it low, but guaranteed that it would go over the net. And then the opponents would be so early to the ball, thinking it was coming faster, they'd miss it. And I thought that was a really cool tactic, something I want to start trying. The drive drop. The drive drop, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which Susanna was hitting a lot of as well. Mm -hmm. Susanna Barr. Uh, Not that we're naming names on this pod. Uh, Only compliments. Kristen and I always have this like, 
back and forth on the pod where I think it's like a pod for the everyday pickler. And so I don't want to like name first name drop pros and make this about this pro said this or that pro said that, which is how like 99.9% of pickleball podcasts are right now. Um, and then she'll be like, yeah, but you have to defend yourself on, you know, this story about you that's wrong or X, Y, Z that we heard. And I'm kind of like, yeah, or not. Yeah, well, it's a fine line because obviously we know a lot of you out there listening to us are probably listening to the other five pickleball podcasts with pros on them. So we don't want to not cater to that audience, but I totally agree that there's 8 million people who just play pickleball. Right. Now, I do have a a devil's advocate for you, and that is that we are trying to get those 8 million people to also do what? Watch more pro pickleball. Right. So I want them to be like, who's this Susanna character? And let me go check that out. There is one thing I do want to talk about that I think the 8 million would find absolutely fascinating. So on the topic of hosting pickleball pros, this woman who hosted in Daytona, I believe, Mm -hmm. right? The PPA Daytona. The The PPA Daytona wrote kind of an open letter to the pickleball community called like pickleball, it's time to grow up. And she details her experience hosting two female pro pickleball players who shall remain unnamed. I think I know who they are. About the wild night these women had. The the wild night these women had coming back to her place, bringing a guy home. The the host is hearing these like guttural grunts coming from the bedroom had a guy pee in her She thought planter. they were practicing their overheads. Yeah, she thought they were practicing her overheads. Very funny, K-dubs. Um, anyway, I encourage you to go go check it out and read it. I think it's just, you know, like a really award, award-winning worthy Actually, literature. Even better, go to Tropical on Instagram and listen to him subtly and slowly and... Uh, Uh, calmly narrate this medium article (laughs) yeah don't don't let that dissuade you from wanting to be a housing i was just gonna say do not let that dissuade you from wanting to host me in your home (laughs) you didn't even notice my inside joke when you were talking about the kitty litter box and i said that's why you had to pee in the planter oh oh, that was okay so that was a joke (laughs) very nice that was it was meta that was meta level that was next level Yes, because yeah. uh, this host did experience on her Ring doorbell camera uh, the gentleman who she'd later have in her house, unbeknownst to her, urinating in one of her planter boxes, which I'm a gardener. The urine does not mm-hmm. help the growth yeah. of anything. Uric acid, not no. good for plants. No. Um, well, I, uh, I think there was, there was one other thing with, with Red Rock that I, uh, I don't know if you got into with the uh, altitude mm-hmm. is that you just needed to show up a day earlier. Day earlier, because I had it all figured out by um, gender doubles day, women's doubles day, which is after mixed. And it actually wasn't like my balls were hitting the back of the fence. It was my dinks were all going really high. I mm-hmm. played a new paddle. The paddle is amazing. It's called the Groove and Raw 13X. Um, I mean, the name alone. <laughs> it's pretty Come great. On. Pretty great. Uh, I thought I played well with it. I felt so comfortable with it. It's it's a mental thing almost with paddles. And I was giving a lesson to our good friends, Ben and Emily, who inspired us to do this podcast. Wait, the Groovin paddles out of uh, Canada. So Vancouver. now you have to use a Canadian accent. Oh, oh boy. Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Basically just turn it up like 20% and uh, yeah. pronounce everything a That's little really more good. clearly. 
That's so close. Good. It's it's close. That was really good. Hey, you should do and accents. then throw an A in there every every a. now and then. Um, so Ben's putting his Yola uh, Hyperion in a timeout, starting to play the carbon sixteen millimeter uh, power series, and that's so important. Sometimes you just need to like put a paddle in timeout. But I think it's even more important just mentally, like loving the paddle you're playing. Just mm-hmm. fall in love with it. And I loved this Groovin 13X. Um, so I, my point is, it wasn't my wand that was uh, the problem over the weekend. I think it was was a little bit of the elevation and I needed to get there sooner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, just a, a little bit about the the schedule of of playing a pro pickleball tournament. Why, why do they start at noon? knowing that they're going to go till dark. Like how late were the bronze medal players out there? Yeah, for those of you that don't know, pickleball is so fascinating, these pro events, because you basically complete an entire bracket or draw or event in one day. So like mixed doubles will be one day. You could play six to eight hours very easily. And then if you make it to the gold medal match, they delay that till Sunday. So you don't have to actually complete the whole bracket, but you complete 99% of it. And then you do the same thing the next day in women's doubles and Thursday's singles. So if you make it to the finals, that all occurs on championship Sunday. Otherwise, you're out on the court, yeah, six, eight, ten hours. And this was the first tournament, by the way, super proud, after about 60 days of training where I wasn't sore at all and I did have like a six, seven-hour day in women's doubles. Wow. Look at that. That's almost a muscle. Um, I know. I see like a little bit of a dent in the middle. <laughs> I, Meanwhile, I, I do nothing, and I look like Lacey Schneeman over here. <laughs> um, just carrying around buckets of balls and all your rainstorm cases. So on the topic of paddles, there is uh, some wild controversy going on right now, and I wonder if we're going to— Wait, wait, can we pause the paddles? Because I just have one button on the end of that, and that is, to our listeners, how do you eat? I mean, we joke about me carrying your banana around, mm-hmm. but how do you eat for an eight-hour day of pickleball? I find the majority of the players I've asked really don't eat. And that's kind of my MO as well. And then Dr. Cynthia, for those of you that don't follow Dr. Cynthia, you should. She is the reason I'm not sore after playing six, seven, eight hours uh, consecutively. She's amazing. Medicine woman. Yes. Dr. Cynthia. Healer. I call her the healer. And um, she was like, you cannot do that to your body. Like if you need to go see a sports psychologist, you have got to figure out a way to consume nutrients because you're just burning through like cheap energy. And uh, so I did. I, I think I did a really good job of like bars and salty stuff and tons of uh, liquid IV. I know you tons took the of, peanut butter because um, we were looking for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our house guests were like, didn't you guys have peanut butter yesterday? I actually carried around with me the whole tournament, which now I have my my new duffel and all my new PB gods, Jilly B pickleball PB goods. Com. Uh, but I carried around in like a Trader Joe's bag the whole tournament, a, a huge loaf of Dave's bread, peanut butter and jelly that I didn't use one time and carried it for three days from match to match to match. Sorry, is, Mickey. She didn't, even, she didn't even eat it. What is wrong with me? Yeah. No, I had this problem in golf too. Like my dad would make these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and then be mad that I didn't eat it. And I was just like, so in the moment, I didn't even think about it. But yeah, sometimes your stomach is like, I don't. I don't feel hungry because you're feeling all the nerves and the and the intensity and the focus, but your your cells on a cellular level are like yeah they need uh, food nutrients you need food. 
um, we're burning. We're burning pretty quick. But I don't know. Like, I imagine, you know, early Cro-Magnon man running around finding cheetah on the prairie. They probably did go eight hours chasing down. Cheetah or Cheetos? Because um, I do like Cheetos while I play. I do. Yeah. I think, um, I think Cheetos grow on a tree, right? <laughs> and the whole, like, keto intermittent fasting thing, maybe this is a new fad diet pickleball tournaments yeah no I, I lose a pound a day if i play yeah she's which is just, like not ideal she's just uh, one stomach flew away from, from getting on the other side of my weight i'm one stomach flew away from my fighting weight yeah. always always so that's that okay on to paddlegate it's always think, it's like paddlegate 3.0 at this point right i think that i think the last thing i i, I want to say is on the topic of like food consumption and tournaments and nerves I was so sick to my stomach my first tournament back, PPA Austin, and then going straight into MLP. I hold my nerves in my stomach. I always did that when I was playing competitive tennis. Um, I'd be the la- last girl out of the locker and then once locker room. And once I got on the court, I was like totally fine mm-hmm. and had no problems. But before that, I'm sick to my stomach. Yeah. And that was happening my first two events back to pro pickleball. And I thought to myself, this is like completely unsustainable. And Dr. Cynthia was like, you need to see a sports psychologist. And I was dreading that, um, not to just see a psychologist, but more just that I couldn't figure it out on my own and then I'd have to make time for this. Is No one should like dread seeking help. That's not what I'm trying to say. The good news is this last tournament, I felt, I felt really comfortable. And I think it's a lesson that you just need reps. Sometimes you just need reps. And if you're, if you're wanting to improve your tournament game, best way to do that is go play tournaments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like as simple as it sounds. And if you don't want to do the four-hour wait around, go play a waterfall. Yeah, go play waterfall. Go play a deeper flex league. Just emulate that feeling of nerve. Stay tuned. There'll be more right after this short musical interlude. All the bangers in here. All the bangers in here. You know who I am, I'm the guy that likes to slam Muscle tea showing off my tan, I'm a banger You wanna dig to me, go ahead, this country's free Take your dink and give it speed, cause I'm a banger Bang, 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 bang I came here to bang, 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 bang Serve it hard or serve it soft, no I'm gonna rip it off Spin it wide, here comes bang a time. Bang, 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 bang. We came here to bang, 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 bang. If you came here to bang, throw your paddle in the air. If you came here to bang, throw your paddle in the air. Bang, 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 bang. We came here to bang, 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 bang. We came to bang. And now we're back and we're ready to crush the rest of this pod. Yes, I want to talk about Paddlegate. I think this is super interesting for those of you that don't know. Paddle technology, which we've talked about on our previous shows, is is getting kind of crazy. So there's new paddles. They go 
very, very fast. Ball go, ball go bye-bye. Ball go night-night. 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 And it's giving some players a very competitive edge, a very unfair advantage. And I wanted to take a moment to explain in the simplest, most layman terms what a thermoformed paddle is. So a thermoformed paddle a paddle is when some manufacturers have access to basically it's thermodynamics, third grade thermodynamics. They have Heat. access to the magma in the earth's crust. crust. Okay. So and like the magic school bus, they go down. Mm-hmm. Correct. They grab some magma. Correct. Put it in their pockets. Yes. And then back, back up. up and then just and then create injected a s- into a paddle. In- Right, foam injected, mm-hmm. magma injected liner, single, you know, single construction, single piece construction. So it's more durable. And that's why the brand Carbon, because its name is Carbon, has special access to that magma, mm-hmm. you know, being, it, being one with Mother Nature already. And so that is the simplest explanation of a thermoformed paddle. Okay. And what about, uh, have we explained what delamination is? Basically, the idea being that once it's delaminated, some pieces are loose from what used to be connected. What used to be epoxy glued as one have now become three. So you've got like paddle surface, core paddle surface, and now you've got loose pieces. And so that looseness somehow creates more speed. Yeah. So in all seriousness, uh, that's that's pretty close to being correct. You can tell a delaminated paddle by uh, putting your fingers in the center of it, pressing, and you'll hear like a crackling and a popping. I mean, it's it's a broken paddle is one way to think about it, but it creates this this trampoline effect that is again very unfair advantage. So you squish your thumbs in the middle, and if there's give, yep, you know you're delaminated. So you're saying it's literally. The rule of thumb. <laughs> That's very funny. Got yeah, it. Yeah, it's funny because the um, the refs in these pro tournaments are like, let me feel your paddle, and they run their their hands over it. <laughs> By the which way, to this day, I really has, don't know what yeah. the purpose of that is. Like, are, are they I want you testing to write for in, grit? If anyone has played in a tournament where a ref touched the paddles of you or your opponents and said, wait a second, this paddle's out of here. Like, right. has anyone ever seen a ref go, Oh wait, what's that? Like, did you sticky tape some some sandpaper on it? Yeah, like, they what literally are they just for? feeling for sandpaper. Oh, I think there's some spill so on here. They, like, yeah, why aren't they? That? Why aren't they pressing? Because it's it's apparently just incredibly obvious. Yeah, test. Just like instead of developing, you know, these sophisticated um, hardware testing systems, like can we just use our thumbs and test. And I don't want to go too yeah, much down anyway. a, a paddle diatribe here. I already explained the thermodynamics of the thermoforming. <laughs> of the third layer of magma. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this before on previous podcasts. Um, how do we avoid becoming racquetball where the technology advanced such that people couldn't see the ball moving anymore? A lot of the rules of pickleball are designed around how to make it as fair and fun and make the points last as long as possible. So do all these crazy cool paddles kind of negate the spirit of the sport that's the question the sport is is currently grappling right. with and the whole point of being a sport played with a wiffle ball yeah is that it's not so fast right not so dangerous not so right. scary exactly and as i always say just wear wear glasses well it's funny you know I, I think back to when i first started skiing and i didn't wear a helmet and i, I look back to that at, at that and i'm like 
what was I thinking? Yeah. How ignorant can we be? It's like smoking or yeah. sitting. You no, know, sitting I was is the still new in smoking. That era, growing up in a ski town where it was like not cool for like the first six right. years to wear a helmet so much so that when they made the rule in freestyle skiing, which I was competing in, where you had to wear a helmet, people would then immediately take their helmet off and put a beanie back on once they weren't competing. So it makes me wonder, are we going to look back and be like, oh, remember when Jill played without glasses? Remember when the pro tours allowed you to play without glasses? Like, for that reason alone, let's slow the paddles down. (laughs) I don't want to wear glasses. Eyeless glasses. (laughs) Glassless eyes? I don't know. Okay. Um... So we, we, uh, we have a bit of a fact check. I, I have a deep dive. I need to regress down if you'll, if you'll enable. I have a feeling this has to do with Pato. You know it has to do with Pato. Okay. And then I want to talk this about viewership. This is not a podcast about Pato, but this is an episode with a segment about Pato. So in our previous episode, we mentioned some of the most populous, popular team sports around the world and we discovered jill discovered that the national sport of argentina argentina is thank you very much gracias uh is pato and we were like pato what it means duck what are they talking about what does it have to do with ducks and you discovered it was a combination of horsey polo and basketball right but it's really a combination of horsey polo and quidditch this is not even just me. I like read the rules and watched it and I was like, that's fully Quidditch. And then I went on a deep dive and found out everyone thinks that it's Quidditch. In European countries, they sometimes call it horseball. Are they on brooms or horses? They're on horses with brooms. And is there a snitch or? Snitch. Funny you should mention, you know, there's real human Quidditch now, which they just transferred the name to quad ball. And that Wait, I'm sorry, but the snitch. only thing more ridiculous I could tell people of what my profession is than pro pickleball would be pro Quidditch player. Yeah, And that is what I'm going for the now real question and forever is, in the future. What's going to be in the Olympics first? Pickleball or Quidditch? Pato. <laughs> Quidditch. So the duck, it all comes back to the duck. When they first invented the game, they used to take live ducks in a basket, and that is what they were hurling around like a Quidditch ball. I'm, I'm uh, into sorry, sorry, back up, that back up, vertical. I'm sorry. So they were treating someone called someone called PETA. They were treating live ducks like basketballs. Yes, this was the 1700s. This was banned before PETA for that very reason, and it died out and then came back. And they came back with like a synthetic ball of some kind made of feathers or something. And then it's got like a, mm-hmm. a, a wire around it. Can we insert? We're going to insert some clips for sure. So yeah. if you're just listening to Wait, the pod, I'd like to see... get yourself to a video. Okay. I'd like to see Pato. That's Spotify and YouTube. I'd like to see Pato clips. I'd also like to see Quidditch clips. Yes. We're going to see Quidditch and Pato. Thank you. And so circle back to Argentina, Polo, our friend. Fergus, who is a former pro polo player and current head of umpires of all polo in North America, informed me that not only did it begin with live ducks, but before the live ducks, it was the heads of their enemies in a basket. I I honestly am more comfortable with that than the live ducks. At least they were dead already. A live duck, that's torture. But, you know, quick decapitation, a little guillotine action. 
free to play. I, I think this is native of all Australians that they have the best random facts. Like, have you ever they noticed really this? They really do. And the jokes, they always have the best jokes. jokes. If you're Crazy. an Australian, yeah. we want to be your friend. I always wonder, do I love Australians or do I just love the Australians that escaped from Australia? <laughs> we did actually go to Australia finally two years ago. And, and New Zealand. I think they were subpar Australians that are left there. The good ones are all exported to the U.S. And our viewer Can't wait for the commentary on that one. <laughs> okay, so pato is also called juego del pato okay are we really and still deep diving we're this gonna is finish not we're gonna finish right here pato just to it's be clear just, it is a yeah comedy so, podcast disguised as a pickleball podcast that i guess is now a podcast about pato so quidditch was based on pato that's the theory that jk rowling was aware to, aware of horseball and decided to design quidditch based on this game and once you see the goalposts, you will understand and the golden snidget in the book was like the origin of the snitch was a bird. A snidget. It was a magical bird. So like inside of Harry Potter, if you reread the books, the origin story of the snitch, which is a magical ball, was originally a magical bird. And then it became like inhumane in the literal muggle or the harry potter magical world and so they made it into a magical ball i, I think it's, it's fair Pato. to say that life definitely art definitely imitated life in that totally totally so that that is our pato deep dive uh and i just think it's so fitting that a, a country where apparently only a thousand people have ever seen or played pato becomes the national sport that's the most argentine thing ever you know how an Argentine commits suicide, right? No. He climbs to the top of his ego and he drops off. <laughs> yeah, Argentines have a have a have a world of their own. How many countries and um, nationalities are you planning on insulting during the rest of this pod? As many as possible. Perfect. We are equal opportunists here at this pickleball life. So yeah, that's that's what I've got. Nice. Did you uh, did you have anything more before we pivot into um, dear Jilly B? I would love to chat a little bit about a new segment that I'm just telling you about for the first time called By the Numbers. By, by the numbers, by the numbers. And if you don't know, I used to run uh, Duper. I'm an entrepreneur by background. My background's in technology, specifically SaaS, software as a service products. I'm a lobaholic. She's a dataholic. A dataholic, yes, yes. And I would love to start introducing just by the numbers section of our of our podcast. And something that I've been really gripped by ever since playing Major League Pickleball has been how do we get more viewership into the broadcasts of Pickleball? So you've got the PPA, which is the Pro Tour on Tennis Channel, which is super helpful. Um, you have Major League Pickleball, who's been on CBS Sports Network. They've been a little bit on Tennis Channel. The last MLP, I believe, was just live streamed on their own channels and YouTube. And if you look at some of the numbers, I think at any given time during the last Major League Pickleball, it was like five, six, seven thousand people at once on the live stream. It's peanuts, right? There's, you know, yeah. sometimes there's 40 million players, depending on what news source you look at for pickleball in the U.S. Sometimes there's 8 million. Yeah, a minimum 8 million. Yeah, let's say minimum 8 million. So how do we make sure pickleball doesn't maintain 
just a participatory status as the most participated sport or one of the most you know fast growing participated sports in America. How do we also turn that into how do we also turn that into viewership? And I think that's a really fascinating question. And if you watch Major League Pickleball in person, that team based atmosphere, it's addicting. It's so much fun. The trash talk, I, just the energy of it is palpable. I mean, the, the, the stands are shaking. Yeah. Every and, pro player would say it's a totally different feel. And, and, and it doesn't translate at all to television. And why are we not miking up players? And, I, and, and, and this is really what I'm driving at here. When I talk to pro players, and sometimes they say, oh, MLP is, is gimmicky. It feels like rally scorings for entertainment purposes. I want to scream. What do they think they are? What business do you think you're in? We are in the entertainment business. Yeah. And every dollar that you see going into the sport right now is going to vanish unless we make our television product extraordinarily entertaining. So I'm all for mic up the players. Yes. Mic us up. Um, Tennis has castrated their players. I was talking to my partner Tyra Black about this. Complete castration. They're so scared to show emotion, to get a... A, a penalty mm-hmm. that it's like there's no personality in the sport. They can't crack a racket. There's no John McEnroe's unless you look at Kyrgios and Bublé. You do realize and, we did talk about this earlier, right? On this podcast? It's yes. been six hours. What do you want from me? <laughs> but, but my point is how do we bring that like almost hockey-like atmosphere that I feel like is in pickleball? What do people love watching? Hockey yeah. fights, car crashes. Totally. Totally. Bloodbath, gladiators. Like, I'm not saying let's have pickleball players. Yeah, ducks, that's funny. I'm not saying let's have pickleball players like fighting on the court, but but we are in the entertainment business. And right now we have something so special that we're really close to each other on a court. It's a tiny court. It's not like a tennis court. There's interactions, there's talking, there's, there's laughter, there's fighting. And the refs are really chill right now, which I hope, I hope that that is maintained, that, that we're allowed to maintain personality on the court and that needs to start coming across live streams and television totally. so thank you for allowing me this this diatribe no i i want you to scream it from the mountaintops i just wanted to make sure you remembered that there was some repetition in there well <laughs> tell them what you're gonna data? tell them i feel like you were going down <laughs> a data dive oh so the, yeah the, the data dive is is thank you so we've got this, you know, five, six, seven thousand person viewership on the live stream. Then three, four, five days later, you've got like sixty-five to eighty-five thousand views on the same, the same um, uh, broadcast or piece. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's like 0.01 percent or something. Yeah, exactly. I'm no mathematician. I don't do public math, but what is that point? 0.01 percent. And. I had one more piece of data that I wanted to share, which is the Pickleball Slam, which featured Michael Chang, John McEnroe, Andre Agassi, and Andy Roddick had, I think, 625, 725,000 live viewers at one point. And what did they stream that on? Uh, that yeah. was, on was it on ESPN. Okay. But ESPN Plus, like it wasn't on ten- uh, TV TV? Or- oh, yeah, it was ESPN that was posting. I believe it was ESPN. So, But was it on like an actual... Regardless, those numbers are very strong. So it was airing at a similar time that I think Manchester United was playing. It eclipsed those numbers. It eclipsed 
uh, three other pretty preeminent sporting events that were happening oh, at yeah, the same Oh, yeah, I was really time. annoyed at the Post because they compared it to, like, women's basketball. Oh, thank you. And it's I was the like, women's why don't you NBA compare, finals. compare it to, yeah, like, Premier League men and, like, right. whatever. Yeah, or that was annoying. And that's... Pato numbers in Argentina. <laughs> very funny. But anyway. And and I think that demonstrates that, that the viewership can be there, which is exciting. But also, what were they what were they watching? They were watching something really exciting. They were the players were mic'd up. There was yeah. trash talking. It was a fun format. It was very, very palatable. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for the women's pickleball slam. So, message out there: tell all your friends, watch pickleball. Like, bring up the numbers. Make the the sponsors realize there's there's more behind it, and um, you know, it's reverse fight club. Tell everyone. So, are you ready for Dear Jilly B? Yes, hit me. Okay. This week, we have two questions from the same person because this one person is not only near and dear to our hearts, but also gave such great questions that we had to do more than one. So many good questions. And by so, the way, you can write in if you have any questions for the Dear Jilly B segment to uh, this pickleballlife at gmail.com or is yeah. it? Yeah, this, this PB life. Sorry, this PB life at gmail.com. We'll put it on the screen. It's also in the description. Okay. But the first question is, what tips do you have to mentally reset your game when you feel like you're not playing your best? In a tournament? Go bananas. So yes, in a tournament, but I would say anytime. So this is such a good question and something, frankly, I'm still working on. Thanks, Sharon. Sharon, you're the best. Um, I try and implement a three-point rule. So if I've lost three points in a row, timeout. At least after three points, you look at your partner and you say, if we don't win this one or we don't get the ball back, timeout now is that you go down zero three or is that just any run of three consecutive points lost but what if you lost one got the ball back lost one got the ball back lost one got the ball back then no you're not you're just saying actual points and you're not saying like side out one two no i'm saying actual points okay yep that's my rule of thumb and you'd be amazed at how many even pro players in the moment let that momentum slip they, they let mm-hmm. the opponents keep that momentum going. I'm just realizing now that, like, I don't think I fully realized what you'd been telling me this whole time. Wow. And now I'm going to make you proud instead of make you bananas. <laughs> but I will hold yours. We're going to have a little, little. I'm just going to start throwing fight, a banana fight, in fight the middle about of this the later. <laughs> telling her for, for Telling her for two years when you lose three points in a row, time out. But yeah, I just wanted to clarify. I, I think that's the biggest is is we have these timeouts. They're incredible for momentum, um, stopping oncoming momentum for yeah. opponents. Don't forget to use them. And then I think the the second part of that is just don't forget to smile. I hit on this every single podcast. You know, smile, laugh, have fun. Um, be be kind to yourself on the court. It's tough. It's not life or death. We're playing a game with an oversized ping pong paddle and a wiffle ball. And 
you can't play well and you can't have fun if you've got tension in your body. Mm-hmm. Make your arms elephant trunks, nice and loose. Make sure you're holding your paddle with about a three or a four in terms of pressure on a scale of one to 10. Another way to think about it is like you're holding a bird in your hand. You don't want it to fly away. So you want to hold it tight enough that it's not going to fly away. You do not want to hold it too tight that you kill it. What is up with birds dying oh on my God, this, this pod. podcast? <laughs> don't kill the bird. What about if I hold it as, as tight as a kitty cat? Uh, no, that's too tight. Too tight. Okay. Too tight. Okay. Too tight. How about, I, I always like the toothpaste, right? It's like squeeze the toothpaste without the toothpaste coming out of the bottle. I'm the wrong person for that. I squeeze okay. from the top and it drives crazy. Oh, it drives me nuts. That's why we can't share toothpaste. And I lose my cap. Yeah. But I yeah. floss so, a lot. Yeah. You floss so much that you don't need to floss. But you said uh, you have a different strategy in rec play. If you can't take a timeout, what do you do? Just tie your shoe? I joke a lot in rec play. I go, timeout, because I remind myself yeah. if I were playing a match, I would literally have taken a timeout. That's like, I good. literally yell, timeout. Yeah. It's like when I'm re- reminding myself to say you and me, sometimes I'll say you when the ball is like almost out on their side of the court and it hits the line and I'm like you and I like laugh at myself but if I stop saying you I'll stop saying me and then I'll stop saying you when it's in the middle one of my favorite um you know when you're playing rec play and you're messing with your opponents because why not is to tell them when they should take a timeout Lyra you guys would probably take a timeout right now do you want to take a timeout right now that's really funny This is a new segment called How to Get in Your Opponent's Head. By oh Jilly my B. gosh. That's a ma- that's a Jilly B masterclass. That's a masterclass right there. I yeah, could charge the for that. Jilly B experience. How to make your mind so freaking impenetrable. Yes. Yes. No, I mean obviously it's not really as much about getting in your opponent's head as it is in, in staying in your exactly own head. Ke- keeping but, your mind impenetrable. Um one thing I always learned from my coach in college about golf is you hit a bad shot you have that moment where you get frustrated, allow yourself to feel the feels and then put that in a box and put that box on a shelf. Yeah. So you don't feel like you're blocking so much as like, okay, I'm having that moment. That moment is now done. Yep. And be, be a goldfish. There it went. Yeah. Be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. It's in and out. It's gone. It's, it's in the past. There's nothing you Ted can do Lassen. about it. Keep moving on. Keep smiling. Keep laughing. Yeah. They say your brain remembers the worst things mm-hmm. better than the best things. So you always have to revisit those best things harder yeah. and more often to equalize and just keep remembering that for every net cord that lands on their, well, their side of the net and your side of the net, they usually this is This out. is such a great point. So Sharon, um, you really do not play as bad as you might feel feel you did if that oh makes sense so like when I yeah, yeah I know how many times say. you come home and you're like oh my god I played so bad and then we rewatch the game and you're like oh, I look pretty, good. pretty good <laughs> I'm oh. like I'll be like Kristen I just got off you know yeah, streamed you on championship ball. court I looked I I missed so many balls can you just watch it for me I can't even watch it and then she watches it she's like yeah you missed two balls you looked great and I'm like oh you're right like it gives me the courage to go back and watch it but we all my point is we're all mm-hmm. just so yeah hard on ourselves oh, we're just so bad at seeing ourselves right you know I always say this in golf it doesn't look like it feels yeah so I would say the rule of three very tangible very doable 
on the rec play, pretending you're taking a timeout, go have a water, towel yourself off, take a mini timeout. But would you say there's any other like just change up, switch ups, start stacking, stop, stop stacking, switch sides? Yeah, absolutely. Don't be married to right or left. It's funny. Like I heard someone, another pro player on a podcast say like, oh, Jill only likes the left side. And she's gone around and told people that like, you know, I would, I don't know if I would draft her on my MLP team. She can't play the right. And I remember laughing at that and being like, no, I played the left last year because I was working 14 hours a day sitting in a chair and that was the side I was comfortable on. I didn't have hours every day to go train. Now I'm like working way more on the right and I feel it's as good as my game on the left. And my reason for for telling this story, which I wasn't even going to tell and you wanted me to bring up, is think more about the matchups on the court, not the sides. So don't be married to like, oh, I have to play left or I have to play right. Look at who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And 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 there's going to be someone who doesn't want to be in front of you because you're really good at speeding it up or they're, they don't want to dink straight on to you. So be cognizant of the matchups on the court and how you could move right or left to, so to encourage more, more, more wins, more points won. If you're the stronger player and you're playing against yeah. – a team where the weaker players in front of you, Great. you have the advantage, but your partner's getting targeted. Maybe you go in front of their stronger yes. player because you can defend that exactly. ball better exactly. than your partner. And at least it forces them to try and miss it wide. Also, the, the benefits of traditional side-out scoring, which most people are playing, is you have so much time to try new stuff, to make adjustments. So in the similar vein of if you lose three straight points, take a timeout. Well, if you're losing points, make adjustments. In rally scoring, you kind of don't have that luxury. It's moving mm-hmm, so fast. Mm-hmm. And your side is more set. Yep. You can't switch unless you take a timeout. But I do love that um, to some extent about rally scoring. Like when I play with a lefty, it's like, all right, you know where you're going to be. I know where I'm going to be. We don't have to get confused. Um, even today, I was playing with a lefty and uh my mom try yes wasn't gonna name <laughs> names but your mom <laughs> your mom's a lefty and we were re- we were receiving with the the stack on receive with the person in the alley and uh it was kind of a a, a really good day of that sometimes mm-hmm. i think people get confused about that but ultimately and, if and you're the faster player you can you can cover for your partner who needs yeah to and again like I just played in St. George. I had a partner who said she wasn't Tyra, right? Super comfortable changing sides really often. She was like, I want to groove on one side or the other. I think everyone should be comfortable being able to switch. Amateurs, being able to switch sides that benefit the matchups that that maximize the matchups yeah well it is interesting I feel like a lot of amateurs actually feel the opposite like they can't handle thinking about switching whereas the pros are like so used to sides I would say as an amateur you gotta you gotta grow up you gotta try different stuff to get better you cannot it's so funny practice like you play play like you practice that's what everyone says totally but I see the opposite it's so funny I see the absolute polar opposite people in practice, really scared to try new stuff. And then when they're playing a tournament or something that matters, they yeah. are thinking like about 
technical details, oh, technical details yeah. of their swing. So yeah. they're like, yeah, just like we were talking about yeah. earlier with people like trying stupid stuff, but it's like, sometimes you just gotta, you throw it out there as long as you're committed. And if it doesn't work three times in a row, then don't. And what I learned in golf is learn it and forget it. So be learning and trying stuff in practice. But when you step on the court in a tournament or in a match that matters, forget it all. Just play. Yeah. Focus on the tension in your arm and being kind to yourself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, any other any other headspace advice for, for the mental game? So much. Mantra. I mean, we could do a whole... I know, on I know. We should, the do, mental we should game. do a video on mental yeah. and we should do a, a video on stacking because yeah. I do think a lot of people don't realize how easy it is once you get used to it. I agree with that. Um, but yeah, one thing I always try and do when I'm nervous in a tournament is I come up with something super simple that I can absolutely do. And this is true in golf too, where like people used to People like to worry about like, oh, I should turn back farther or do this yeah. or hit more of that or I'm hitting it thin. It's like those are all out of your control. They either happen or they don't. And what you can control is your intention. And so all I think about is just watching the ball. Yeah. Or paddle in front. Like one thing where you're like every shot, I don't know if I'm going to dink it or I'm going to hit it hard, but I'm just going to keep the paddle in front and just spend the whole I'm day totally fine on with that, that one No, thing. I'm totally fine with that. And I had, um, when I was learning golf, I had just an incredible instructor by the name of Bobby Laskin. Hi, Bobby. And he said, you have way too many swing thoughts. Right. But they were like my pacifier, like mm-hmm. my crutch. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine a world with no like swing a checklist, thoughts. checklist, like a pre-flight. Yeah, it made me feel like better having them. And he was like, I'll give you one on the way back, backswing, and one on the way through. And that's all you can have. And that was the best golf advice. And now, after meeting you, I've totally revamped that mentality to – connect with your target. So you are thinking mm-hmm. about something, but it's more of a feel yeah. and a directional. Yeah. I always feel like it's different to say you're thinking than you're focused. Nice. Right? Like concentration. But my, my point with that is I agree. I think you can yeah. have like a couple swing thoughts on the pickleball court, even in a tournament, but can we please limit them to like one or two? Yeah. Yeah. Super simple. All right. So her next question is, What are the top two things that differentiate 4.0 players from 4.5 or 5.0 players? When you watch, and you actually told me one of these things this week, so I'm curious if you have any others or if you remember. I don't remember what it is. Basically, you you said, and I am basically a classic 4.0. Like, my duper fluctuates between 4.06 and 4.26. Oh, I know what I told you. But you said the difference between you now and Mm -hmm. you as a true 4.5 is... Your footwork. Your footwork. Yep. Absolutely. I'm so happy you just reminded me of that because I was going to say something (laughs) totally different. But yeah. Oh, man. I want to do a whole video on how to move on the pickleball court. Right. And it's not just court positioning. Yeah, it's not just positioning. It's literally literally footwork. It's literally your feet. It's, um, I don't want you to. on the fly. I don't want you to move like you're on a tennis court, but there is a specific way that your feet and your body should be moving to to optimize outcomes. And what I see the most at the 3-5 and 4-0 level is a delayed reaction to the ball. Mm-hmm. So the ball's coming and you have your sip of tea and you crack open your coronal light and you watch it coming and then you realize, oh, I got to go. And then you sprint, but then you have no time to stop before making contact with the ball. So it needs to be the reverse, the inverse of that. It has to be you're on your toes already, you move quickly to the ball, and then you stop right before contact. 
So for Sharon, I'd say, um, send me a video of your latest match. I want to look at how you're moving around the court. Yeah, totally. Sharon, send away. Send away. And then for the second item, I'd say um, shot selection with an emphasis on patience. So whenever I'm teaching someone who's a 4-0 who really wants to go to 4-5 and beyond, I, I tell them to fall in love with dinking. Mm-hmm. So fall in love with dinking, be able to hit 100 dinks, and be very diligent about what balls you're speeding up. I can attack any ball on the court because you're skilled right because you're a pro anyone can attack any ball on the court oh doesn't so mean they should anyone. oh yeah, yeah, yeah right like okay. best player in the world gentleman by the name of ben johns can attack anything mm-hmm. and he's the last two and he's so particular with what he's going to do how he's going to do it and that is something that any player can bring to their game. And that reminds me of another question I saw Sharon write in that I did want to address, which is, do you feel like you can only get better as a pickleball player if you're playing better players? Is it like tennis? Is it like Mm -hmm. most racket Mm -hmm. sports? I would say to that, no. I'm kind of a case in point. I play with, I train with Kristen, 4.2 duper, my secret weapon more than I train with anybody else. It matters that you're playing with people who are actually trying to play pickleball though. And also, that's, that's the key. I what I thought you were gonna say led me to this analogy in my head. Kristen Wallace, secret power analogy maker. When I teach people skiing, what you do on a green run, a blue run, and a double black diamond matters. are different. Matters right? though. You can work on your skills on a green run that are much more technique oriented because you're not worried about going too fast. On a blue run, you learn how to quiet your cat down in the middle of a podcast. I'm no, also not convinced blue... I hit record. Did you hit record on my... I saw you hit record. Oh my God, I'm having paranoia. It was red. I feel so, I feel like this Do is such a check? boss move right now. I know, literally. I have my cat bond on my lap. Kitty. Bond You're kitty. You're a bond villain. Are if, you a bond babe or If you don't have video villain? turned on for this podcast, you're seriously missing out. I know, seriously. Spotify and YouTube. But on a green run, you work on your technique, right? So that might be you're playing against worse players or players that are not better than you. You're like, okay, here's my chance. I'm going to try stuff. I'm going to hit corners. I'm going to work on my game. I'm going to hit a bunch of thirds, even though they're hitting me fluff balls that I could shove down their throats. But that's no fun for anyone. Let's play the game. You get to the double black diamond. You're like a little bit going, okay, what if what I learned on the green run is good, I will be able to feel under control on this tougher, steeper slope with moguls. But if I didn't get it on the green run, I got to go back to the green run. So you get up against those better players and I'm playing against you and Claudia and and Morgan. And I'm like, wow, this is making me uncomfortable. I need to get better at my defensive shots and my purposeful dinks. Well, it's funny. You said to me once, um, what I tell amateur golfers who get nervous playing with me because they're, they're like, oh, I'm playing with a, you know, a yeah. plus three golfer. I'm so nervous. And you tell them. I get paid thousands of dollars to play with amateurs. So get on the horse, baby. <laughs> you have a rare privilege. No. What do I tell them? You tell them, play fast. Don't complain. And pick up your ball after so many shots. That's what yeah. you tell them. Yeah. And that's true. Like, fast and fun golf. Fast and fun golf. So if you are a 
3-5, duper, and you have an opportunity to play with people better, don't play outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, oh, I've got to become someone mm-hmm. and something that that I'm that I'm not right now. No, it's kind of the opposite. Like double down on your skills, be super calm. Don't stretch yourself. Don't overreach. Make balls, Mm -hmm. literally Mm -hmm. make balls. Don't all of a sudden wake up and think, I've got to hit passing shots. I've got to rip my drive harder than I've ever ripped it. Be calm, play your game. Don't make silly errors. When the going gets tough, the tough get calm. calm. Totally. So, yeah. So basically the difference between 4-0 and 4-5 players is footwork. And by footwork, it's readiness. The game ends up slowing down because you're more there. You're seeing it sooner. Your recognition yeah. gets faster. And position and on the court. you're able to instinctively utilize the skills. Yeah. Can so say footwork this and position on the court. <laughs> say that again. That was funny. I can say this because I don't have these skills. This is what I'm striving for. But I have noticed from going from 3-5 to 4-0, that's exactly what it felt like is the game itself starts to slow down because you're anticipating and you're ready for everything that's coming your way. You may not get every ball back, but I can't tell you how many times I'm like, okay, they're about to speed it up in the middle. I move to the middle. Where do they go? Speed it up right to the middle, and there I am with my paddle, like the sandlot. Just put your glove out, and I'll do the rest. Yeah. So, and that's that's so fun for me. It's like, okay, I made a mistake. Get ready. Oh, it came back fast. Exactly. Not surprised. Exactly. And so I think that that three five to four zero probably happens more above the waist and below the waist from that next level. It's a hundred percent. And from four five to five zero, and and five zero to pro, defense is everything. I mean, be a wall. I was playing with um, my mixed partner at St. George, and I kind of floated up a, a high ball, and he he said, ugh, in the middle of the point, and went to kind of turn his back. Mm. And I was like, whoa, we're still in this. And so what did I do? I defended the ball back, and we won the point. It was the best point of the match. And so even at the pro level, there's this tendency to like give up once you hit a high ball or a bad shot, but oh my gosh, it's pickleball. It's a wiffle ball. It's designed to slow down. Stay in the point. Never turn your back. Never give up on the point. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the safest thing you can do is get low and put your paddle up. It's your shield. So I hope that answered uh, Sharon's question. Yeah. Good, good um, questions, by the way. Yes, really, really good questions. Thank you. Thank you. She, she asked for more, so we might revisit some Sharon in the future. If you Give me more Sharon. I need more Sharon in my life. <laughs> and Sarah. We're going to rename the segment. <laughs> what does Sharon want to know? Um, well, uh, that's all I've got. Do you have any final thoughts? Anything to promote? Anything you're looking forward to? No. If you haven't checked out pbgods.com, Kristen's brainchild uh, on retail gear, best your pickleball gifts. Shirt. Yeah, best pickleball <laughs> gifts. If you have a loved one, birthday, Mother's Day is coming up. There is nothing your mom would like more than a Jilly B PB Gods duffel bag. No, I'm just kidding. There's a bunch of products on there that are just awesome for moms. Yeah. As you know, no one loves us more than your mother. Till next week. This Pickleball Life is a Tomahawk production. 100% organic and homegrown. Music by K-Dub. Editing by K-Dub and Jilly B. Thank you to our sponsors, pbgods.com and No Thanks a Tour. Do you have a question for Jilly B? Email us at thispblife at gmail.com to be included in future episodes. 
Don't forget to click subscribe.